Welcome home. As you listen to New Life the Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. Good morning, everybody. I missed you. It's been two weeks because we had pastor's conference and then our children were overcoming last Sunday and I didn't get to come to service. But I was, I was thinking, I go, wow, it feels like I've been gone from church forever. But I miss you. And I miss what God is doing in this church. I know that he's doing it, but to be in a place where we experience it together is something else where we get to encounter his goodness and his faithfulness, and that we actually get to hear testimonies of how good he has been. I don't know about you, but it's as simple as I'm standing here today is a miracle. You sitting there is a miracle. Because the devil would have tried everything he possibly could have to have taken you out this week. But you are seated here victorious today. You may not feel like that. Maybe you had weights as you came on in. But let me tell you, before this day is through, before the service is through, those weights are going to come off you. And you're going to know that God has your back, as he always has, that he's got your back. But we just need to refocus our attention. Cause ourselves to see inwardly what he so wants to do outwardly. And so in Colossians, we begin with, that we need to set our sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ is. Because, see, that's where our, re our reality is. Because our real life is hidden in Christ. He is our life. And so apart from him, you and I don't have anything worth living for. But he's given us everything to live for. He's given us eternity with him. And that's enough to rejoice and that's enough to praise and that's enough to just glorify his name. And so we come into that place of worship. What we're actually doing is taking ourselves out of our current situation and placing us where we really should be, seated at the right hand of the Father in victory. We were sharing yesterday at ProJam, Pastor Alvin and I, when we talk about the right hand of the Father, that right hand of the Father is a hand of strength and power. That right hand is the one that did the work and finished it completely. If Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, he is the strength of God in full display. But we are seated in Christ, with him in that place. And so you and I are supposed to enforce the realities of heaven upon the earth. We are meant to live those out. We're meant to declare those things, the things that we see. We've been talking about imminent breakthrough. It's, not, it's no longer just imminent, it's at hand. Your eyes may not see it yet, but your spirit knows there is, it's here. I just need to see it with my eyes. We were talking about wisdom because we need wisdom as the breakthrough comes in because the breakthrough is not just about you. It begins with you, but it will snowball from you towards other people. Because maybe what people are believing for is just waiting to see your breakthrough happen so that they can say, mine's next. And so we have to come into this place where we set our sights. We see and we hear what God is saying, especially as we're ending the year. See, this is a year of fullness, and God is not done yet. Tell your neighbor, God is not done yet. 
Sometimes you need to declare that out of your mouth. Not everybody did it. I love you. That's why I'm going to be strong with you. Because it is not time to play Christian. These are not the times to play a Christian. You are a Christian, a believer in the Son, the Most High God, Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who conquered death for you. So it is not time to play church. It is time to be the church. We see things differently. We speak things differently. We move differently than everyone else. I'm not mad. But it's just time. It's time to get off our butts. It's time to get off our self-pity. Why isn't this happening for me? Maybe you need to move so that it can happen. You can't move a parked car. No matter how much you try to push, you can't move that car. But if you, sh if you shift those cars into gear, they'll move. So maybe for some of you, there's a gear shift that needs to happen today. Because there has to be a forward motion into the things of God. Because God doesn't work backwards. He doesn't work from the past. You get to see what he has done in the past, but that is meant to make you move forward into his plans and his purposes. That's why I say we need to set our sights on the reality of heaven. Because heaven is not back there. Heaven is ahead of us. And if we set our sights on the realities of heaven, then we begin to move in that direction. I love how the Passion Translation puts it. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive on the inside of you. He's not asleep, nor is he powerless. He is alive, effectively at work in, in, inside of you. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn. You know what it, what it means to yearn? It means to desire after. When you yearn for something, you crave for it. You move towards it. It's all you think about. It's all you want. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned. At the place of all power honor and authority yes feast you like to eat it says to feast a feast is not just about eating it's a celebration yes feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm I don't know how more clear that can be. But I love how it says to fill your mind with heavenly realities, not the distractions of the natural realm. Because everything at eye level, the things that challenge you are very limiting. Because a lot of times you don't see what's beyond. But if you realize where you are seated in a high place, you see further. You see more. That's why we need to feast and fill ourselves up with this heavenly reality. Oh, but pastor, that's heavenly reality. That's future. See, the realities of heaven are meant to manifest upon the earth. Jesus said it. Not my will be done, but yours, Father. Whatever is in heaven 
be it done unto the earth. We can say that too. We are actually meant to be enforcers of the heavenly reality upon the earth. Things need to change when we come into the scene. That's what breakthrough is about. A change and a shift in atmosphere that allows the miracles to flow. You actually facilitate the, the miracles to flow as you take your place in Christ. As you speak as he would speak, as you see as he would see, as you move as he would move. The Bible says that we are Jesus' hands and feet upon the earth. That means we are meant to do something. We are meant to go somewhere. We are meant to bring something. And what are we bringing? The reality of who he is. Because heaven is not heaven without Jesus. And as we bring Jesus into the situations, into our lives, into those challenges, then we have the, the impossible, the impossible made possible because he is present. This is just introduction. It's good. Because I didn't think I was going to go in this direction. But God knows better. We're not meant to be distracted. See, every word that has been released from this pulpit, every declaration of, for this church is for you personally. If you receive it. We can't force that on you. But for those that actually believe it and those that begin to walk in it, and for those of you that are wondering why do they have it, it's because they believed it. Oh, but I believe it. Well, you can believe it, but think, well, maybe that's not for me. See, God wants everybody to receive from the word that he releases because that word is an anchor. It gives us hope. Because life is difficult without hope. When a challenge comes, you need hope. Not just a positive attitude, but you need to be hopeful. Because those challenges are big and those storms can rage. But that hope will keep you anchored, will keep you steady. I mean, Jesus himself said there are going to be tribulations and trials that will come against you, persecutions. I mean, yes, woohoo, thank you, Jesus. But it shouldn't come as a surprise that these things are going to happen. Why is this happening to me? Let me tell you, living a Christian life, being a Christian, is not all roses. Roses have thorns. You know the song, Lay Me Down on a Bed of Roses? I was thinking about that. I don't want to be laying down on a bed of roses because there are thorns. But that's what life is like. But you see, the thing is about the life that we have been given in Christ, it is a conquering life. That in spite the thorns and the prickles and the persecutions, you stand strong. You actually smell good. You diffuse an amazing fragrance of victory. People look at you and they're like, I don't understand it. What is so different about you? I mean, we're facing the same thing, but you're, you're happy, you're joyful, you're praising God. It doesn't make any sense. You can just say, well, this is my way out of this problem. And when they see the way out, they're going to join you. Is this how I'm supposed to praise? I lift up my hands? Okay, I lift up my hands. It's not just about lifting up your hands. You're lifting up your hands to the one who gave you the victory. It's a place of surrender. Are you willing to surrender all that you are to him to give for him to release that victory that he's already won for you? That's
That's what this place of worship is. It's a place of absolute surrender. A place of saying, Lord, I can't, but you can. I mean, with life being so hard, sometimes you just want to give up. And maybe for some of you, you're like, look, I've heard that it's breakthrough. I heard that it's fullness. I don't see any of that yet. The year's not done. November isn't even finished yet. It may be nearing the halfway point of November, but it's not done yet. So where is your expectation? To keep your sights on the heavenly realities. Keep your sights on what the word has already been spoken to you. Look at what God has already done in the past that he wants to bring to you even now. Yes, we all have difficulty. Yes, we all have challenge. But it's how we face it. And it's, how, and it, and it's also knowing who faces it with us. I mean, really, we've talked about it time and again. It's like having Jesus standing in front of a big bully. And that bully is taunting you. And Jesus goes, really? And the bully just kind of looks and takes a step back. Step back. And then he kind of looks at you and goes, I'm going to get you tomorrow. And Jesus goes, you can try. But you're not going to get past me. In fact, Jesus will say, don't listen. Honey, don't listen. If you're going to talk to her, or you're going to talk to him, you better talk to me. Because they're not going to hear anything you're going to say. The only voice they hear is mine. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Matthew 6, 25 and 27 in the voice translation. This is Jesus speaking. Very familiar scripture. He talks about not worrying. But I love how it says it here. It says, here's the bottom line. Do not worry about your life. Jesus. I can actually see Jesus saying it because he'd probably speak like that. At least to me, that's how he is with me. Mitch, this is the bottom line. Do not worry about your life. But Lord. You know what? It's okay. Jesus can handle the complaints. His shoulders are wide enough and strong enough to handle every care. But what he's trying to get you to do is change the confession that comes out of your mouth. What he's trying to get you to do is look at things differently. Change your mindset. See, that's what it is. Your mind being set. When you set something in place, it is firm. It is immovable. So God doesn't want us to be immovable in our misery. He doesn't want us immovable in our problem. Because our problem needs to move. Our problem needs to get out of the way. That's why he says, don't worry about your life. I'll take care of it. In the same scripture it goes, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about how you're going to clothe your body. Living is about more than merely eating, and the body is about more than dressing up. Just because you don't have the right clothes does not mean you don't have the authority of God. You are wearing the full armor of God. If you're wearing the full armor, it doesn't matter what you're wearing on the outside. 
I mean, people can wear things and you're just looking, wow, they look really good. But it looks good on them because they walk in confidence. They carry things well. Because they know what they've put on they like and it fits them. They're not wearing something that doesn't fit. Remember when David faced Goliath, Saul gave him his armor. And it was just too big. I mean, you, you hear the description of Saul. Saul was a head taller than everyone else. Broad shoulders. I mean, we don't really hear that description apart uh, from, about David apart from him being ruddy and maybe good looking. But that's it. We don't hear him being tall. His brothers were tall. Because when Samuel saw them, he goes, they look like the king. But David didn't look like the king, but he carried himself as one. I mean, he was a shepherd boy when he faced Goliath, but he knew who was with him. He didn't need to wear the king's armor to defeat a giant. He just needed to be who he was and who God called him to be. And he needed to know who backed him up. Don't worry. Be happy. 27, verse 27 says, Worrying does, uh, does not do any good. Who here, and I ask you this, who here can claim to add even an hour to his life by worrying? You know, worrying steals from you. Worrying steals from you. It steals your time. It steals your confidence. It steals your ability to move because worry is founded in fear. And fear is meant to keep you in your place so that you don't take ground. But it says, he, Jesus himself says, do not worry. Do not worry. Nothing will be added to you if you worry. But if you rest, if you rest, what can I give to you? See, in the resting, what you're actually doing is you're focused now on him. In, in Luke 12, okay, you know what? Let's do this. In Luke's, uh, let's continue with Matthew. Matthew 6, 33 to 34, Passion Translation. It says, so above all, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. So your attention is not on the things that you need to get. Your attention is though on the king in the kingdom and what he will release. Then it goes on to say this, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. What are the less important things? Eating, drinking, your clothing, but Lord, I need these things. I need my bills paid. These are considered the least, least important things because our focus is him. I like the next verse. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. It's your choice. You can worry or you can say, I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to worry. And, and it says, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. What does worry do? Worry makes you look ahead that there are more challenges that you're not going to be able to face. Don't look at those things. One challenge at a time. David didn't pick up the stones and go, okay, after Goliath, I'm going after his brothers. 
He didn't. It was one giant at a time. One enemy at a time. But every time he had to face these enemies, he came before God. He refused to worry and he looked to God and he inquired and he asked and he had communion with him. Communion is speaking to him, seeing him face to face. And so you have the word saying, refuse to worry about tomorrow. In spite of the difficulties you are facing and the challenges that are coming your way, refuse to worry. You know why we can refuse to worry? Because Jesus changed the story. Jesus changed the story. The reason the world is fearful and is worried is because they don't have Jesus. And there is a trajectory that they're heading to, which is death. An eternal separation from God. But God put a stop to that when he said, Jesus. And the moment that you believed in Jesus, your life changed forever. And the trajectory of your life went from death to life. From darkness to light. From sickness to health. From lack to prosperity. There was a shift because Jesus came. That shift is so important to us. Because when the bullies come, and the enemy is a bully, when he comes to threaten you, I love what Romans says. Romans 8. I'm going to read verse 35 to 39 in the message. It says, Do you think anyone is, is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. No way. No trouble. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats. Not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. The reason the story was changed is because God loved us so much. He loved us so much. The Bible says that he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Because you're already condemned if you are apart from him. He didn't need to condemn you. You already knew apart from him you were nothing. But the moment he came, he made you something. So none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. I love that because it had nothing to do with us. It was how he embraced us. See, when we surrender into that embrace, we just rest, whether we hug him back or not, but then we allow him to embrace us. He will not release his hold on you. He will hold you all throughout whatever it is you're going through. He holds on to you. But you see, Jesus had to set his mind. He had to set himself for what he had to do. In Philippians 2, 
verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was this mind that Jesus had? What had he set his attention and his focus on, on you and me? But you see, he was single-minded in his pursuit. Nothing was going to distract him from his purpose and God's plan. Because you read, it goes on to say, Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. What does that mean? He humbled himself. Jesus is part of the Trinity. He is God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. What did he come as? A created being. He came in the form of a created being. He was part of the creator process. He was the word that had been released to create everything. And yet he comes, humbles himself in the form of a created man. In a body of a man. And it says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The Amplified says he humbled himself even further. By taking not just the form of a bondservant, but the form of a criminal to die a criminal's death on a cross when he had done no wrong. But his mind was set. His mind was set. In Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 2 to 3, Passion Translation, it says, We look away from the natural realm, and we fasten our gaze unto Jesus. I like that word, fasten, because it is a choice to grab hold of, connect with. Fasten our gaze unto Jesus, who birthed, faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection his example is this because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their very own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. See, when you're weighted down and a cave-in happens, you're trapped inside. God doesn't want you trapped inside. He wants you free. But he says, consider carefully how Jesus faced it. How did Jesus face it? For the joy that was set before him. I love what it said. The joy of knowing that you would be his. I mean, there was absolutely no guarantee that you would be. Because he'll never force that on you. It's your choice to surrender. It's your choice to come to him. It's your choice to receive. But there was still a joy on the inside of him that said, one day James is going to be mine. One day Vern is going to be mine. One day John is going to be mine. One day Lala is going to be mine. 
with no guarantee, but he was looking at you and he was looking at me. The excitement, despite the pain and the shame and the humiliation that he went through, he went through it willingly, his mind set to give us victory. See, he changed the story to benefit us. That's why the story changed. See, God's original plan and purpose was that man would live in victory forever. But we know what happened. Man submitted himself under a lesser being. Gave himself over to Satan by believing a lie. That if you partake of this fruit, God knows you're going to become like him. That's why he said don't eat of it. But they were already like him. See, it's so important that you understand who you are. You are not the challenge that you're facing. That's not who you are. That's why it says set your eyes on the realities of heaven because that's who you are. So we see that God's original plan and his purpose is this, that he wants to prosper us and not to harm us. That's what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's his plan. Prosperity, health, hope, and future. See, prosperity is not just about money. But it's about your total being. Being whole and complete, nothing missing, and nothing broken. He wants to bring us into that place. And that's why it's so important that we set our minds on this. Because this is supposed to be our reality. 3 John 2, what does 3 John 2 say? It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. See, it is in your soul that you make decisions. It's in your soul that you think about things. That's where you set your mind. You set your mind either on the things of heaven, the realities of heaven, or whatever is happening right now to you in the world. But he says, don't be distracted by the natural realm. Don't be distracted with what's going on around you. Look unto, focus on Jesus. Because that's where your prosperity will happen. When you know that you are right with God, then everything else falls in line with that. That's why you can begin to expect good from God. That's why you can become hopeful because you know that God is not angry at you. We've talked about this before. Listen again to those teachings. God is not angry at you. He's mad about you. He's absolutely, completely, totally in love with you. He's crazy for you. I have the song playing in my head. But he wants us to begin to see things the way he sees things. We need to set our minds on those things. Because your life is not going the way it was going before. Your final destination 
with him is glorious. But every step of the way, that glory is present. Every step of the way, we are meant to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, by grace upon grace, from strength to strength. There are levels that we are stepping into in the glory. And when that day comes, when we see him face to face, and let me tell you, he is coming. He is coming back, and he's coming back soon. That's why he wants us to be so set, not distracted by what's happening, but so set as we're looking upon him that we find ourselves at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people who have the right heart. And only he can orchestrate that as our eyes are on him. I had a picture of a conductor. Have you ever seen an orchestra? As they're watching the conductor, the conductor is is telling them how fast they should go. He's giving them direction. And that's what it's like. But they're watching him. The orchestra has to pay attention to the conductor. They're not just doing their own thing when they want to do it. No, they're watching. And they know, okay, now. And they look at their, their music sheets and then they look up again and they're watching him. Because if they did things their own way, there would not be any harmony. And there's something about a sound that is, that is harmonious, that draws people into that place. And that's what it's like when we're living focused on him. Because you won't misstep. You won't miss a beat. You're connected to what he's doing, what he's saying, how he's moving. We need to begin to expect these things. We need to set our minds on these things. Philippians 4, 6 to 9, message paraphrase says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Not pray, oh Lord, how am I going to get out of this? No, just pray. And in the praying, you begin to worship. Begin to declare who he is, what he's done for you, how he's taken you out of the messes that you've made in the past or the mistakes. Begin to praise him for those and watch. And you know what? You can begin to declare what he's going to do. The expectation of your heart, how he's going to get you through. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You know what he does? He tells worry, get off my throne. That's not where you're supposed to be. And he sits where he's supposed to be, in the center of your life. See, worry displaces peace if you think about how impossible things are. But greater is the peace that displaces worry when you see how Jesus made the impossible possible for you. That's where you bring yourself. And when you begin to think about that, verse 8 says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say to you, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, the things to praise, not things to curse. 
Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. See, all of us can complain. In fact, I can probably say we are the best complainers ever. We can win awards for complaining. But God doesn't want us to be complaining. Do you know why? Because of the power of our words. Because our words also set the course to our thinking. If we hear ourselves enough, we'll begin to think that way. Or if we're thinking, 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 and then we begin to speak something, and you're like, wait, that's, that's not really what I believe in my heart. Then you need to fill your mind with the things that are true, which are noble, which are reputable, which, is, which are gracious, the things that are best, not the worst, the things that are beautiful, not the ugly. And I'll say this with all gentleness. Watch what you post on Facebook. Wow, that hit a lot of people because everybody was silent on that one except for five people. Watch what you, paste, uh, what you place on Facebook. Because a lot of times, you know, when I, when I scan Facebook, sometimes I'm just like, wow, this is a toxic environment. After a while, you're just like, you want, okay, you want to throw up because it just, it's just so bad. Why are people focusing on the negative? Why are people looking at how bad it's going to be? Excuse me. You know, our God can turn things around. And I don't operate by the system of this world. I don't operate in, by the kingdom of this world. I operate at a higher kingdom. Even financially, I'm not dependent just on our salary. I'm dependent on what God can bring to me. Because I depend on him. He's my source. He's the only one that can get or that can have my dreams fulfilled because he put them in me. They're too big for me. They're too big for Pastor Alvin. They're just too big. But only he can fulfill those things. And he's the only one that can bring the resources. He's the only one that can bring the provision. He's the only one that can bring the people to put this all together. That's why it's so important to keep our minds on him. Because when we keep our minds on him and we are full of him, then all that he is and all that he has, has freedom to flow into our lives the way he's always wanted it to. See, our worry is like, it's like taking a hose and then bending it in half and stopping the flow. That's what worry is like. It's like our, our mindset on the negative, that, that there's nothing coming, there's nothing coming. Well, let go and let God. Because when you let go, all of a sudden there's a force behind it. I mean, really, if you let go of a hose, but there's a force behind it, it's going to begin to fly everywhere and hit everything. And God wants to do that for you and for me. But he wants us to focus on him. Because when we do, we cannot help but enjoy life. Life is worth living. Life is not a chore. It's not a duty. It's something that's meant to be enjoyed and celebrated. 
I mean, Jesus said that I've come that you may have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. It's not just any type of life. It's life the way he has it. A victorious, overcoming type of life in any situation. There was not one situation that Jesus faced that he did not come out victorious. Every time Jesus came into the scene, victory was at hand. And that same person lives on the inside of every believer. So what is it that you're facing? Stop focusing on the impossibility and look to the I am who makes it possible. Then and only then can life be lived full. Then and only then can your life begin to overflow to touch those around you. Then and only then can the realities of heaven invade the earth as he wants it to. I'll end with these two scriptures. John 16, 32 to 33, Amplified. Jesus speaking. He's telling his disciples all these things that are about to happen. You're going to be dispersed. I'm not going to be here. It can create worry, but he goes, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer what he's saying is rejoice when it seems impossible rejoice take courage be confident certain undaunted for I have overcome the world I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you Jesus was saying this before he even went to the cross, but he was declaring your victory. It may be hard at times, but don't worry. Set your mind on things above. Feast on the things above. And I'll end with what I started with in Colossians 3. One to two, passion. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned in the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. So what I leave with you today, church, is that you fill your mind with all that he is. Because when you do, you will see all that he has and everything he's made available for me and for you. Amen. 
Did you receive something this morning? Well, come on, just give him praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for your people this morning and that we are intentional and purposeful about setting our minds on you. Setting our minds on the realities of heaven and just filling ourselves up with all that you are so that we can spill on over to the world that we live in and that they encounter a God, a Father that loves them so wholly and so completely and so totally and absolutely. I pray that your people this week, that despite the challenges they will face, because they will come, they will find themselves steady, sure, confident, because you have given them the victory and the power to overcome it. In Jesus' name. Now keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And I want to give an invitation. If you're here for the very first time, or maybe you've been coming, but you've heard about Jesus and how he changed the story, and it's just refocusing our minds on him. You know, that's actually what repentance is. Is our bringing our thinking back to the proper perspective and seeing who he is and what he has done. Because he hasn't, he hasn't asked you to do anything except believe. And believe in what? Believe in the one whom the Father has sent. And that is Jesus. And when you do, having Jesus unlocks all of the heavenly realities for you to walk in and live in daily. So if you would like that, you would be like to be able to begin to walk in these heavenly realities, you want what all that God has for you, then you need Jesus. And it's as simple as just receiving him into your heart and allowing him to make you his home. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. And your hand up simply means you say, I believe. I believe today and I receive him into my heart. And from this day forward, I will walk out a heavenly reality that I never thought was possible until today. One, thank you for your hand. Two, thank you for your hands. Three, thank you for your hands. Now, for those of you that put, out, put up your hands, maybe... For some, you have already received Jesus into your heart, but today you want to recommit. You can put your hands up as well. You might be here in the cinema or downstairs on the fourth floor. I want you to put your hands down, and we're going to pray together. Very simply, just follow after me. Jesus, Jesus, I receive you today. I receive, I receive you, you today. today. Thank you for making me your home. Thank, Thank you for, for making, making me your, your home. home. From this day forward, from this day forward, you and I, you and I, are one. Are one. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. And because we are one, because we are one, all that you have, all that you have, is now mine today. Is now mine today. And I can expect, I can expect to live a good life. To live a good life. Because I am now blessed. Because I am now blessed in every way. In every way. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.